and welcome to Books, Rods, and Booze. My name is Jamie Bennett. And I'm Monica. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, folks. So today we are discussing Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by a set of sisters, Emily and Amelia. What is this? Nagasaki? Nagoski? Nagoski? Okay. Yeah. I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> My brain wants to say this, but it's probably because it knows that, and I know that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it, too. So, thankfully, we have Monica here. Woohoo! Oh, my Japanese studies come in handy for something. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you loved about this book. I have to say, first of all, that whatever we discuss about this book is not going to do the tone of it justice or the the message i mean it was an absolutely phenomenal book what i liked about it is that it's self-helpy without being preachy and containing too much toxic positivity it's very realistic based in science and the real world and they use humor and pop culture to tell stories that make the science make sense exactly it's Actually, if I could take this book to your house and make you read it, I would do it. <laughs> uh, I love how um, whenever they say the patriarchy, they go, uh. Patriarchy, oh. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, it's super easy to read. Um, short chapters with also a summary at the end of each chapter, which was helpful for preparing for the podcast. I love the summary. Yeah. You could just read all nine summaries, and that would be fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, they, they do a, a little summary called, Too Long, Didn't Read, <laughs> at the end, and uh, they're all pretty amazing. And I think that's really helpful because a lot of people with burnout, sometimes even if you love to read, it's overwhelming. Like, I can't. I can't read. I'm just not in a reading mood. Like, I want to read it, but I can't read it. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've Especially right now, during the pandemic, I've had so many of my reading friends tell me that. Like, I'm just not in a reading mood still. Yeah. Definitely. At least something light and fluffy. So, you can skip to the end of all the chapters and just read the too long, <laughs> didn't read. It'll be very beneficial. So, it's broken up into three parts. Or is it? Two parts. No, it's three. It's three parts. Yeah. I just wrote down the chapter numbers, so I don't really remember how many parts. So the part part one is um, sort of understanding the stress cycle and how to complete it. Part two is the real enemy, understanding why we have this stress cycle, the society that we live in. And then part three is the um, wax on, wax off. How to make you stronger, how to make you grow. Yeah. So, shall we dive in? Yeah. The, um, the first chapter is about completing the stress cycle. Um, and I thought this was great because it gives you lots of different options. Um, so, maybe you could talk a little bit about the biology of, like, you're good at that kind of stuff. Like, being chased by the lion and... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like, well, they were, they're pointing out as a hunter-gatherer species, 
when we would encounter something stressful, it would be something in a life or death situation, such as being chased by a tiger or a lion, and that your mind just kicks into these, you know, three different things. You're either going to fight it, you're going to run, or you're going to freeze, mm -hmm. basically, is what's going to happen. And once that stress cycle is done, you get to your village, or you, it, it thinks you're dead, and it goes away you're alive you've, you've gone through it then you then your body you know does this dump on of different chemicals going on in your brain in your body and it you complete the stress cycle but we live in a world where there's a lot of everyday stresses right they don't go away they're chronic stresses or you know we're in the situations where it's just it's not going to get better Right, and what I thought was really great about this first chapter is I'm going to tell you, I am very exercise resistant. I'm working on it, right? It's just one of my things. Ex exercising actually irritates me. It makes me mad to think that I have to do that. And this is the only book, person, or advice I have ever read or received that did make not make me angry when they suggested that exercise would probably be good to do right. and and I think it's the the way that they said it and also that hey if you can't exercise or if you don't want to exercise here are some other things also that work is good and one of them is like where you systematically tense up all your muscles uh -huh. and release them and then some other ones were um breathing which we've talked about in this podcast before right social interaction laughing affection, crying, or creating something. So, I mean, I was like, okay, so I have some options here. So you're right. just not somebody saying, you're stressed out. If you work out, you'll feel better. Ah, I'm going to stab you now. <laughs> they say that physical exercise is the best, mm -hmm. but not everyone can do it, and they acknowledge that. And so here's some other techniques that you can also use to try to complete the stress cycle. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool when they talked about freeze, too, because I feel like that's kind of like where I fit in. You've got the fight and the flight, which are both go. One flight is go run, and fight is go punch, you right, know, right. where freeze is like, it really accurately described that feeling of complete overwhelm, where you can't even take an action if you wanted to, you know? So having them put that in these like scientific biological terms really makes it feel like, hey, you know, I'm just, I'm not lazy or, you know, right. whatever. This is a, a real way that I deal with stress. This is how my brain works. Yes. And it's normal. Yeah. And they talk about in the case of freezing too, is that you go through the feels and they said that um, an example of that was they had seen an animal that was hit by a car on the side of the road that they thought was dead. And then it got up and then it just sort of like started shaking it, uh, like convulsing almost. And then it just scampered off. And I have experienced that when I've been extremely stressed that shake, like you can't stop shaking, you know, and it's so weird such a weird feeling yeah so you're you're not crazy <laughs> it's just the feels embrace the feels go through the feels and then your stress cycle is done 
Right. Woohoo! Uh, um, this they gave some signs that you need to deal with the stress, and there was two that I really identified with. So I think there's I wrote down four. One was doing the same pointless thing over and over, or engaging in self-destructive behavior. Check. Check. <laughs> Two is chandelierine, which is a Brene Brown term, where your reaction doesn't match the situation. Uh, check. Especially <laughs> especially with the kids. Like, they did something and I'm like, I go off the rails for something way, way out of proportion. I'm like, well, I am overreacting. This is, this is crazy. It was like, um, three was turning a bunny into a bunny and hiding in a hedge. Not so much out of me. And four was your body feels out of whack, which wasn't so much me, but lots of other people. Yeah, yes. I've definitely, one, three, and four are me. I definitely get stuck in a repeating rut, and I tend to be a picker when I'm really um, stressed out. I'll, any kind of little catch or glitch, I've got to just pick at continuously. Um, definitely the bunny hiding under a hedge is a freeze thing. And I, that's my favorite coping mechanism is <laughs> this isn't happening. I'm not here. <laughs> and then, and that was, I like that last one too. Your body feels out of whack. It really helps, um, me understand like the chronic pain, the, the underlying always fatigue and pain for no reason. Right. You know, and, and that's what I mean by when they say these things, it's like, yes, exercise would help me deal with this a little bit. I'm, I'm going to ease into it and give, I'm not, you don't make me so violently opposed to it that I'm right. just going to not do I'm it. I'm going to try the tensing up and releasing yeah. and the breathing. And so one of, um, the, the two London reads for this chapter that I thought was super important to you was that wellness is the freedom to move fluidly through the cycles of being human. Wellness is thus not a state of being. It is a state of action. Excellent. So I thought that was super important. Yeah. And then we move into chapter two, persist. I thought this was a great chapter, and I really like the idea of the monitor. So the monitor mm -hmm. is a brain mechanism, and it's it kind of gauges... Do you keep trying or do you give up? Um, and it talks about how, you know, that can, like, say if you're stuck in traffic, um, usually it takes you 20 minutes to get to the mall, but if you're stuck in traffic and it's taking you over an hour, you know, your brain could try and get you to give it up. And what was really cool about that, and I think it was actually one of the things at the end of the chapter, I'm not sure, where they talk about sometimes you have to like talk to yourself and figure out is there benefit in going through this painful situation right you know so it's bringing more um mindfulness to finding meaning yeah in this biological reaction that you're having right and they also talk about the human giver syndrome which um was in the introduction and they do discuss it throughout the whole book. And it is a really important part of the book. And I will just read out the definition of that for you. 
Human giver syndrome is a collection of personal and cultural beliefs and behaviors that insist that some people's only meaning in life comes from being pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others. And I, I am suffering from human giver syndrome. <laughs> yes, I, and I think what they point out is most women are that were were raised this way. Right. It's, it's a cultural belief system mm -hmm. in that, uh, you know, everyone has seemingly bought into it. So then part two, we go into chapter four. Wait, did I skip a chapter? Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. Um, well, chapter three, well, you mentioned meaning. <gasps> chapter oh, three right. was about meaning. Yes, sorry. No, it's fine. And it's, um, I really like that because... People do need to have a sense of meaning. It makes you um, feel happier. And I think one of the cool things that they said about it is that you make your meaning. Right. You know, you're. it's believing in something larger than yourself and engaging with something larger than yourself. That could be the pursuit of achievement, service to the divine, or simply loving other things and other people. So there's many different ways to it. And it, and it's not just like you're going to be touched by the hand of God and your meaning is to now be a nun. You know, like it doesn't right, work that way. Right. It's more of an internal process than an external process. And they even said like a relationship with a pet mm -hmm. could bring meaning to you that would help you go through those difficult situations. Yeah. And then we get on to the next part, which is I think the real enemy, I believe. Yes. Chapter four, the game is rigged. I got to tell you, this is the most satisfying section for me because as a person who is moderately intelligent, I am a hard worker. I have been taught my whole life that if you work hard and you're loyal and dependable, that only good things will happen to you. And I have found that that is not the case and it makes you feel crazy. You know, and so this section was so amazing because of those two things. The game is rigged and then also um, that gaslighting, that feeling like, um, you know, you're that not you're, seeing what's actually happening. Right, like you're yes. the crazy person. You're not doing it right. You right. know, you're not playing the game right. If mm -hmm. you just played the game you would have all the benefits, but the game is rigged. And, the, you know, that's when they talk about the patriarchy. <laughs> and another great part about this is the Star Trek references, because I am a huge Star Trek fan. And they talk about the Kobayashi Maru, which is a training simulation in Star Trek. It's actually an unwinnable battle. You're... Um, you're defending, uh, trying to rescue a ship in the neutral zone and you're being attacked by the Klingons, right? There is literally no way to win this except for if you're, of course, Captain Kirk who cheats. Um, <laughs> but the whole point of the simulation is to, um, try and lose honorably to, it tests you as a person and, and the choices that you'll make and everything. And, and it just, it, it's. That's what the patriarchy is. It's an unwinnable situation. All you can do is be the best person you can 
and try and do the best you can, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful. Sadly. Sadly. Yeah. But, but knowing that truth is so amazing because then you stop hating yourself and blaming yourself. You know? Yeah. I can just control myself and yeah. be the best version of me that I can be. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole gaslighting thing. Ugh. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. Gaslighting is when the patriarchy says it doesn't exist. <laughs> the patriarchy always oh. says that it doesn't exist, but yeah. we all know it's there. Oh, right. and it makes me so angry. Oh, and they talked about the headwinds, tailwinds, um, asymmetry, which I thought was super cool. And I, um, I would have to look it up specifically, but I think it talks more about like, you don't happen to notice, say, when you have all these things that are helping you along and you expect other people to to experience that as well. Right. And I think one of the big things in that is what I've learned is a lot of times being successful is not about... Um, what you know and what you do. It's more about who you know. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And so that's that whole, you know, and also if you, if things hold you back, I would assume it's the same way. You have a tendency to feel like it's, you know, you're the only person it's happening to, or I'm not too sure. I'd have to reread that section, but I made a note of it because I thought it was really important. And then the next chapter, chapter five, is the bikini industrial complex, which I think this would fit for every woman in America. This very much reminded me of Brene Brown Brown, and about how, you know, business profits when you hate yourself and you hate your body. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the way out from under that is limiting your access to social media, commercials. You know, you can't do that 100%. It's just everywhere. Um, but when you're not getting bombarded with, with all these images, it does make it a little bit easier. There was a great graph on page 109 that shows uh, height, or sorry, weight versus overall um, health risk. And People would tend to make you believe that being even slightly overweight is more harmful to your health than being underweight. In fact, that's the opposite. Being underweight is more negatively impacting your overall wellness than even being overweight. And when you get to obesity for women, it's about the same. Yeah, but see, we're not taught taught that because we've got the human giver syndrome and we've got to be pretty. Right. (laughs) And and there is, you know, like the the three layers of obesity that they have on the chart. But that still says Mm -hmm. that you can be overweight and still be well and Mm -hmm. still be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, every time you go to the doctor and... You know, if you are overweight, I'm not going to say every doctor. Often when you go to the doctor and you are overweight, that's the first thing they want to look at. And you can be overweight and be healthy, have something else going on that's not caused by your weight. So it gets really frustrating because it's about perception, this bikini industrial complex. I mean, it's insidious in all of our brains. Even really smart people can think these things that aren't true just because 
it, we're bombarded with it all the time, and we have been for a long time. I was listening to a podcast where the podcaster did research on this very thing, and she went to present it, and she knew, she's like, people are going to perceive my message more if I'm thinner, but the whole part of my message is, is that you don't need to be thinner. You know, it's just like, what a paradox. We've talked about this before with, and I think it was um, Elizabeth Gilbert, who a lot of times, one of the reasons why people don't go after their dreams or something they want to do is because they're too fat. Even though weight has absolutely zero to do with what they're doing. Zero. 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 For example, myself, <laughs> I have been wanting to do these little side projects and everything. And it's like, oh, you know where does this come from? I'm too fat. I can't do that. It's like, you know, maybe if I did some things that made me feel a little better about myself, <laughs> I would start to lose a little weight. I don't know. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with your creativity, exactly. which you have to say. It's like your body doesn't affect what you can produce. Right. Right. And it's just so completely ingrained. Yeah. Even the medical world is, is on it. So, then we move in to part three. Wax on, wax off, which is the Karate Kid. <laughs> yes. So in chapter six, it's all about connecting. And the biggest takeaway from this is connection is as necessary as food and water. Exactly. I was yeah. just going to say that too. Yeah. We are built to be connected. Which is why um, it has been so hard. Yes, the pandemic has been, been so hard on so many people because you can't, we have to find different ways to connect. and Right, and they're, they're not as deep and as often, and it's just mm -hmm. so much harder that, you know, we're, we're used to oscillating between ourselves, like, oh, I'm me, and I'm alone, and I'm okay with that, and then me as part of my tribe. And when we're limited by that, it's just so hard to create energy, to create self-love. I mean, it's just, it's hard when you're well, disconnected. And we're, we're taught also that independence is the way to go when really we are an interdependent species. You shouldn't have to do everything on your own. Things will turn out better if you work together with the group and have that meaningful connection with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, some of the um, too long didn't read that I thought was great. Um, one of them is like sadness, rage, and the feeling that you're not enough are forms of loneliness. When you experience these emotions, connect with other people. <gasps> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think with uh, my teenage son, the irrational rage is just part of hormones. <laughs> In combination with, you know, hit or miss having being able to go to school and, you know, no extracurricular activities and, you know, they and kids don't express themselves or aren't, you know, as easily as self-aware and it's got to be really hard for them. Yeah, their brains are still developing. It's hard mm -hmm. for them to, to use um, words to express feelings. I recently showed a friend of mine um, a feeling chart. Uh, she's a grown woman, 
she didn't realize how feeling tried existed. And I was like, well, I use this for like my little side writing projects. <laughs> like, how do I imagine this character is feeling right now? And if I want to go deeper, I pull up my favorite feeling chart. <laughs> I, when you pointed that out to me also, you're, I was like, I've never heard of a feeling chart either. And I found it was a really great way. Um, sometimes feelings can wash over you and be so overwhelming. So it's a really great way to organize them and to um, be aware of them. So definitely a great tool. Yeah, I love the feeling chart. Mm -hmm. I have it saved in my phone in my favorite picture folder so I can pull it up really easily. So then we go into what makes you stronger, chapter seven. Great chapter. It's all about sleep. Yes. I've read a book about sleep and why sleep was so important and it was a phenomenal book and basically it says if you don't sleep enough, you're going to die early. So right. take the time for rest. And how human giver syndrome takes away your ability to, like you feel guilty you feel for guilty sleeping. For taking rest you need right. biologically, physically to keep going. Mm -hmm. You feel guilty about it. Yeah. And I work third shift, so I work at night while everyone's sleeping, but during the day, I feel guilty for being asleep, even though I already had my full day, like that's right. my nighttime, yeah. but I would find myself unable to sleep because it's like, oh, I should make dinner, or I need to do this, or I need to do that, and you know, it was horrifying for my body. I'm over that now. Um, and then they also talked about rest. Which, and one of the key things about rest, which I thought was great, is you can have active rest. Right. So you can do something mindless. Something you know? for yourself to mm -hmm. sort of like numb out the yeah. brain and just give you time to just be. Or yeah. even if you're just puttering around the house, like doing something you don't have to think about, you can still be productive and be resting. Um, but yes, the, the stress and the importance on rest and sleep Oh my gosh. So important. So, so important. And then the last chapter is Grow Mighty. So you don't dealt with all of your stress ones. And then the, this is the, the mad woman in the attic from the flowers in the attic chapter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so... I actually made a note of page numbers, 189 and 190, about saying mean things to ourselves. And I'm going to read it. It says, imagine you walk into a room and you hear your best friend in conversation with a stranger. The stranger is saying, it's your own fault you got hurt. Why were you so stupid and let that guy near you? Or just shut up. Nobody cares. You're not even worth listening to. Or you're a fat, lazy bitch. How would that feel? And that's what the crazy woman in the attic, that's how we talk to ourselves all the time. And it's hard to catch yourself in the act of doing that. Um, oh, this is, yeah, it was from Jane Ear. Jane Ear, sorry, mm -hmm. has the mad woman in the attic. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, my mad woman is pretty quiet. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm fortunate in that, that way, but. No, That's mine exactly is very it. intrusive and um, not, it's not loud because I'm so used to hearing it all the time, 
But um, you made a post not too long ago where you're like, I was feeling bad about myself because I wasn't, didn't get a lot accomplished. But then I really thought about it and I made a list of all the things I did. And I really was kind of busy today and I did do a lot and I can feel good about that. And so that's one of the tools that I use to stop the self-criticism. And another one is just like this chapter says, imagine you saying these things to your best friend. Would you ever do that? And the trick is, is it's such a habit in so many people that we don't even know we're doing it. Right. So the, the first step is to realize that you're doing that to yourself, you know. Hear the voice. Right. And it's pervasive in everything all day long. Yeah. And then have self-compassion. Yes. Yeah, I wrote down, self-compassion is hard, healing hurts, growing stronger is scary. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the book is really short, and then it just has um, a conclusion right after that. So mm -hmm. it, it gives a lot of really good material. It's only a couple hundred pages. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about it is if you are like um, a workbooky type of person, which I am not. I never do the, <laughs> the workbooks or the sheets or whatever, but it does have those. Um, if you're the type of person who learns that way and um, and likes to do those things. And I think they even sell separate workbooks and stuff for this. Book. I have seen separate workbooks mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. But all in all, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. Highest recommendation from both of us? Yes. And we can't do it justice. It's impossible. Yeah. You've, yeah. you've just got to hear these women talk. It's hilarious. <laughs> So that was it for this month, and we will see you again next month. Thanks Bye. for listening.